Uh, good evening. My name is Jeremy, and I'm in recovery for drugs and alcohol, and I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. <clears throat> um, I'm going to just pray real quick, so if you guys would join me in prayer. Uh, Father God, just thank you, Lord, for your ability to um, just move through me and um, do so many great things in my life, Lord. I just pray that you would calm my nerves and let the Holy Spirit just speak through me, and I pray that no one would see me up here, that they would see you, they would see your greatness and um, just your sovereignty that you've had on my life and know that the things that you've given me, um, they're available for anybody that's out there tonight that is struggling and that needs you. Lord, um, we just thank you for so much. We love you and pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, all right. So years ago, I entered the rooms of recovery because the hardest battle in my life started with drugs and alcohol. And although I have experienced tremendous miracles and deliverance from those in this program, I have come to realize that I struggle with so much more. But as I said, I am grateful and hopeful because God has a proven track record of victory in my life and has enabled me to focus on the unseen things that were controlling me as well. My hope tonight is that not only will my honesty and transparency bring God glory, but open the doors for others to be honest in uncomfortable areas of their lives as well. Because that is when my healing and my miracle began. This is not going to be your typical addict testimony where I talk mostly about the wreckage of my past and how my life was controlled by drugs and alcohol. Although I do share how drugs led me to recovery, I want to be completely clear that even without them, I still had turmoil within. I still got in the way of what God was trying to do in my life because the problem was me. And God can only restore what I was willing to allow him to restore. I never wanted to admit that I was the problem. But recovery has shown me that my secrets keep me sick and the things that I can't say out loud will own me in the end. You take the alcohol and the drugs away and I'm still left with myself. Romans 7:18 says, for I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. The drinking and the using wasn't my problem. Those were only solutions to my problems. It was my insecurity, my resentment, my approval seeking, my pride, my fear, my selfishness, and my life that was ran on ego that were the real culprits and still are the manifestation of all my problems today. So I was born in Hayward, California to a loving mother who was forced to raise me on her own after my biological father abandoned the both of us the day he found out that she was pregnant. My mother did her best to love and provide for the both of us, but growing up, I still felt incomplete. I felt that if my own flesh and blood didn't love me, then who would? This was the event that created many of my insecurities, my feelings of rejection, and always feeling like I needed to prove myself. At age 14, I found out that my father died of a heart attack. And although I was saddened by that, I don't ever remember crying or feeling like I lost a father but I do remember feeling angry and resentful at never having the opportunity to tell him how his decisions affected my life. Sometime around the age of four or so, my mom met a man and they married and they moved us to Manteca, California. This was not a fairy tale marriage, but I'm beyond grateful for it because God gave me a little brother and a best friend 
who had become a source of strength for me in one of the darkest moments of my life. I was forced to endure years of verbal and sexual abuse from his father, and having him by my side seemed to take that pain away. In his eyes, I was a big brother who couldn't do no wrong, and that gave me comfort when I felt shame and unlovable because the innocence that was stolen produced shame that no child should have to carry. I held this secret in for years and often questioned my sexuality as a child. I felt violated, I felt different, and I felt confused. And I fooled myself into thinking that if I blocked it out of my mind, it really didn't happen. My earliest memory as a child was being sexually abused by someone that I was told that I could trust and not being able to say a word because my truce would affect so many lives. So I allowed it to affect mine instead. Recovery has taught me how to trust again because as a child, my trust was stolen. But with the help of Christ, I was given the willingness to work my four-step around my abuser. And so much healing and growth has happened because of that. I gained freedom through learning how to trust again, and that has helped me to learn how to forgive as well. God has shown me through this process that I still had a part if I chose to hold on to my past. And if I would allow myself to see my abuser through the lens of God, I would see that we all fall short of his glory. And by choosing to forgive, I am choosing to set myself free. Forgiveness is not letting him off the hook for what he has done. Forgiveness was letting myself off the hook, which then allowed the Spirit of God to use me as he wished. Another event that would impact my life was at the age of 12. I remember being sick with what was thought to be the flu. My parents took me to the ER after not getting better, and it was discovered that I had been born with an abnormal heart defect. This was another moment in my childhood that would change the trajectory of it. If it wasn't bad enough that I was forced to go to doctor's appointments after doctor's appointments and see specialist after specialist, I was also told that they would be implanting a pacemaker in me as part of an experimental procedure, and I was no longer able to play sports due to the condition of my heart. This was a huge blow, because sports were my outlet and my identity, as I recall, the only thing ever really being good at as a child. On the baseball field, I was someone kids looked up to, and that was suddenly being taken away from me. I felt broken and different, and again, this gave me a huge complex that is still hard to shake sometimes. Being only 12 years old and not having any tools to cope with my grief, I turned to food as my source of comfort, which in turn left me feeling shameful about myself because of the extra weight that I was putting on. As I transitioned into what would be my high school years, my family moved us from Manteca to Ripon. Let's just say trying to make friends without sports in a town as clicky as Ripon was nearly impossible. <laughs> my freshman and sophomore year was rough. I had come to a place where it seemed like everyone already knew each other and relationships were already established. So I became a loner and I stuck to myself. All my friends were in Manteca and the walls that I had built to protect myself didn't allow much space for trust or acceptance from others because I didn't trust or accept myself. But all that changed as I approached my junior and senior year. My heart condition started to improve and doctors were allowing me to be more active. I went from being fat and having no friends to slimming down, feeling accepted, and creating an extremely unhealthy identity. Because of the physical changes to my body, I was finally getting noticed by girls 
and invited to friends groups that I thought I never belonged to. This was a driving force behind all my confidence, but my confidence came from how others viewed and treated me, not not from within or being a child of God. The party scene became my new identity, and I spent the remainder of my high school years using alcohol as my crutch because I felt like I needed it to be liked. But once I flipped that switch on, I didn't know how to turn it off. Two days before my 18th birthday, and I had my first run-in with the law due to my drinking. Little did I know that that drunken public would be the first of many. You see, I don't drink or use like normal people do. I drink until I black out, and I thought everyone drank like that. Because of how I drink, most of my 20s and early 30s were a blur. I was this empty shell of a person seeking anything to make me feel whole. Relationships were another addiction that I would use to find wholeness in this life. One night at a local bar, I met this girl who I thought would be the one to fulfill all those voids I had inside. Well, she wasn't the savior that I thought she was. Actually, we spent two years in agony and toxicity, but I could not walk away. You see, I gave her control of all my emotions, and that was how I pretty much spent all my relationships pre-recovery. I sought validation through others, and I couldn't be alone, even if it was unhealthy. This was a real unhealthy season of my life, and during that time, I was in a bad snowboarding accident and was given pain pills to help with the pain. It was during this time that I discovered that I can drown out everything with one little pill. We were constantly fighting, and one night after a huge fight, I had left my girlfriend at the time's place and went home and decided to take a few of those because they were all I had at the time, and besides, what harm could come from them? Well, I discovered that night that pain pills could help me achieve something that I can never achieve on my own. I wasn't always in physical pain, but emotionally, I was always a wreck, and pain pills seemed to mask all that. As my obsession for pain pills began to grow, so did my need for unhealthy relationships. The next 10 years of my life would consist of rehab after rehab and toxic relationship after toxic relationship. And as my addiction grew, so did my denial. In 2007, after being arrested for passing out in a car as I was pumping gas, I went to my first rehab and was in complete denial going in. I didn't take it serious because I didn't think I had a problem. I thought I could control my drinking and pill use. And besides, it was the cop's fault for not letting me sleep it off. But as the big book says, the idea that someday he will control and enjoy his drinking is a great obsession of every abnormal drinker. I determined to prove that I could drink like a gentleman. And I allowed everything but God to become my higher power during the process. I would eventually leave that rehab early to be with the girl. Because I was under the assumption that she, not he, would be enough to keep me clean. And I would lose her if I focused on myself because she gave me the security that I could not get on my own. Full disclosure, this was a pattern of my life. Every time I decided to focus on Jeremy, I let the first distraction pull me away. My meeting attendance would always slip and I would eventually start to drink again. And before I knew it, I was always back on pills. I have since learned that no human power can relieve me of my problems, but God can and will if I seek him first. I've also learned that the disease of addiction is chronic and progressive. 
and if not arrested, will only worsen with time. In February 2008, I was in a horrific car accident while driving intoxicated with the daughter of the girl I was dating. And I hydroplaned into an almond tree at an extremely high rate of speed. That accident changed a lot in my life. And I'm so grateful that even in my darkest days, God still had a plan for both of us because somehow we both walked away with only a few minor bruises and scratches. Yeah, God's good. See, after being released from the hospital, I was alone, I was hurting, and I could not stop reliving that horrific scene in my mind. My relationship ended with her mom, and again, so did my self-worth. With so much guilt and shame looming over me, I took a whole bottle of Norcos that I was sent home with, and I prayed to God that I wouldn't wake up. But that feeble attempt at taking my life only left me in a dark state of depression, and I started to self-destruct. I connected with some friends that I met in rehab earlier that year, and they introduced me to something that was worse, heroin. At this point in my life, I was willing to try anything, but I never thought that I would get low enough to try that. I was hooked, and nothing else mattered. Suddenly sticking needles in my arm and being a junkie didn't seem so bad. Truth is that it gave me the ability to shut everything off, something that I tried to do my whole life. The emptiness that I had inside that could only be filled with God was now being filled with this horrible drug. It became my God, and I became its prisoner. Jails, institutions, and death. Those are inevitable when you choose to live the life of an addict. And by the grace of God, I've only seen two out of three. Christmas 2008, two months after leaving my fourth rehab, I was arrested for strong-arm robbery and was sentenced to county jail for a year. It's when I was in jail, my grandmother was diagnosed with cancer. She was my biggest supporter when I was there. She prayed for me every day and encouraged me with the word of God. I begged God to take me instead, and I promised that I would turn my life over to him if he healed her. I know now that God doesn't make deals, but it was worth a shot. He did give me the strength I needed to stay clean for three years as she fought for her life. Glorifying God right up till she took her last breath, and I got to hold her hand while doing so. None of this would have been possible on my own accord. That was my first experience with letting God control my life. But as always, when the outcome isn't as expected, I took it back. Fear allowed the devil to lead me away from God and back to myself and to toxic relationships. The next four years, that old familiar insanity of a life ran on self-will and ego came back. And I carried on like that for a while. I fought so hard to battle addiction on my own, but I would get clean and I would fall off. Proverbs 26, 11 says, as a dog returns to his vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. This was the cycle of my life. I was a fool and hope was non-existent. All I had hope for was that this merry-go-round of insanity went in, but after another failed suicide attempt and an overdose, I wasn't even sure that I could achieve that. But God had different plans. Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. October 8th, 2016, I was at the end of my rope. 
And I remember so clearly when I hit my knees for the first time and cried out to God to save me from the bondage that I was living in. There was something different this time. This was my sixth rehab that I was going to. And I had every excuse to just give up. But I had this peace and serenity in my heart that I had never felt before. Because for the first time in my life, I felt like I was really giving up control. Like I said, God had a plan for my life. And little did I know that that desperation and loss of hope would be my biggest gift that I would ever receive. After rehab, I decided to take the suggestions that were given to me. And I stayed in sober living house for a year. And it was during this time that I was introduced to the rooms of AA. Alcoholics Anonymous taught me so much in my early years of recovery and would become the bridge that I needed to Jesus Christ. Jesus says in John 10, 27, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. As I journeyed through the steps for the first time, it was at step three, made a decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God that he put it on my heart to seek out a relationship with him. I didn't want this relationship, nor did I have a desire for it. I was content with secular recovery, but God is bigger than my plans or my desires. I joined a men's Bible study in Sonora because my sponsor suggested that I find a God of my own understanding. And I even made trips down on Thursday evenings to attend church services with my brother and sister-in-law at Crossroads Grace in Manteca. It was during one of those Thursday night services that our pastor was talking about baptisms coming up on Easter Sunday. And out of nowhere, the Holy Spirit just wrecked me and put it on my heart to finally make a decision to turn my will and my life over to him. And on April 16th, 2017, I gave my life to the Lord. After surrendering my life to Jesus, it began to take on a whole new meaning. I started to feel like I for once had purpose in my life and my heart was filled with joy and God started changing things in my life that I never thought possible. The more my relationship with Jesus grew, the more I wanted to just give him all the glory. It was like I had this light just radiating from inside of me, and I could not contain it if I tried. After celebrating my first year clean and sober, I felt like God was calling me back home to the Central Valley. And so I listened, and I moved back to Manteca. It was hard at first. It always is when you leave the recovery bubble for the first time. But like James says, the testing of your faith produces endurance. This was the perfect opportunity to put into action all that recovery and the Lord was doing through me. It wasn't easy, and I struggled to find some connection I had in the rooms up the hill, but God always provides a way. I was invited by someone who knew my story at church to attend Celebrate Recovery. My first time going wasn't what I expected. Honestly, it felt weird to me, and I walked out of my first open share. I was prideful in my thinking, and I felt like I had a real addiction And I just couldn't relate, but after talking to my sponsor and giving in to his suggestions on focusing on the similarities and not the differences, I went back, and I kept going back, and I'm glad I did. It was okay that nobody cussed or didn't have the same addictions that I had, or that it wasn't what I was used to. Deep down, we were all the same, and although our struggles may look different on the outside, we were all fighting the same fight on the inside. I'm grateful for my sponsor's persistency and his advice to not quit before the miracle happens. Because I, didn't, because I did start to see the similarities as I got more connected. And I even signed up for a step study after having over a year clean and sober. And it was through that step study and others since that God has really opened my eyes. 
If you remember in the beginning, I said that my problem is me, and without drugs and alcohol, my life can still be a mess. In 2019, I was admitted to the hospital because my body was shutting down and my kidneys were starting to fail. When I got this news, it hit me pretty hard because again, I was being told what I couldn't do, but also because there were things that I was hiding inside and this forced me to get honest with myself and others. After I got clean and sober, fitness became my new obsession and I ventured down the rabbit hole that most do in that lifestyle. Steroids was another thing that I was using and hiding. And it didn't seem like a big deal at the time. I just wanted to capitalize on the hard work I was putting in. And I even justified it by telling myself that I was clean and sober and not in jail. But the reality is I was just replacing one drug for another. And although I don't look down on others if they choose to put that in their body, it wasn't healthy for me in my recovery. It became my new identity and had a stronger grip on me than a drink or drug ever had. The year leading up to this, I knew that something inside of me wasn't right, but I ignored what my body was telling me. Why? Because I loved the feeling that steroids gave me, and I felt like I had to keep up this image that I was trying so hard to portray. I wanted to get clean and sober. I didn't want to give up this. I didn't want to give up the pleasure that I was getting from steroids. The strength, the energy, the confidence, all the things that I thought people loved about me, that was so hard to give up. Steroids changed the chemistry of my brain and set me into the worst depression that I ever felt when I stopped. But it was all a facade. All it was was a false appearance that made everything seem better than they really were. And I was hit with this hard truth that I didn't, hadn't really done as much work as I thought I did. My recovery was good when life was good, but my foundation was shaky. And when all that was stripped away, it was, and I was forced to get honest, I made poor choices and threw those three years away that I worked so hard to achieve. But God, God never stopped loving me. Even after I turned my back on him time after time, he never stopped loving me. He was always there to walk me, walk with me, to guide me right back to his arms. It wasn't easy to swallow my pride and walk back into the rooms of recovery and admit to my sponsor and everyone else that I had relapsed. That was the last thing that shame would allow me to do, but I'm glad I did because it gave me freedom from my secrets and everyone loved me until I could love myself again. Recovery has afforded me new opportunities to grow and through them I have had moments of weakness and moments of strength, but they are both equally important to my recovery. I now take comfort in knowing that my weakness has become my greatest source of strength and my hardships have become a pathway to peace because they have given me the complete dependency that I need on God. And that is where my strength resides. Second Corinthians 12.9 says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. God has shown his love for me in so many ways. His strength is sufficient for me, and the wreckage of my past has become opportunities for forgiveness and healing, not just within myself, but with people who I love and have hurt, or people who have hurt me. Today, I have over two years clean and sober again. And thank you. And three years free from anabolic steroids. That, that. But I've been given so much more than that. I'm not just standing here as a man that has, has been delivered from drugs and alcohol. 
I am standing here as a man who is slowly being delivered from himself. A man that is learning to love and embrace who God has created him to be, not who he thinks he should be or who he thinks you want him to be. A man that has found his security in Jesus and just wants others to feel the same love and acceptance that he has felt. A man who no longer has to search for wells that in the end only leave him depleted and unsatisfied because in Jesus he has finally found the living water. John 4.14 says, But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. To the newcomers, you are the most important people in the rooms. And my message to you is this, trust the process, all of it. Even if you can't see the light of day, it only takes faith the size of a mustard seed. God restores what you are willing to give him, even if all you can give him is today. Since coming back to recovery, God has blessed me far beyond my wildest dreams. I get the pleasure of meeting and talking with so many men in this program who continue to help me as I walk with them through, this, through their journey. And I've also had opportunity to serve and lead in many capacities in CR. But the best thing is that I have met my wife in Celebrate Recovery as well. And we both have a foundation built upon Christ. This is our biggest blessing. And we also are expecting our first child in April. And because of that, my daughter has the opportunity to have a father who is clean and present in her life. And by the grace of God, we'll never have to see her father in active addiction. The list of these blessings go on and on. And I promise you, these gifts are available to you too. But keep coming back. Get connected. Find your community. Find your forever family. Thank you for letting me share. Jeremy, thank you for sharing. I appreciate it. Let's hear it one more time for Jeremy. Have you guys picked out a name for your daughter? Oh, I was going to say Scottina is awesome. But Paisley Grace, I guess that's a little bit better than the Scottina. So I guess that's good. Um, but hey, I'm Scott. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. I'm in recovery from sex addiction and pride. Uh, so I'm glad that you guys are here. Exactly. Um, you got it right. Hey, uh, just a few things, man. Before we get to our focus question to dismiss, he said a lot of good stuff in his testimony. A really good testimony, thank you. Um, but we have, uh, he mentioned Rippin being, it was tough to break into that community, man. If you ain't Dutch, you ain't much, I guess is the theme there. But sometimes in recovery, we can get clickish. And so uh, as we've been in our groups and we've got the people we've been hanging around for a while, make sure you reach out to that new person in the group and that you include them in and you, get help, you help them by getting their number, give them your number. Um, New Year's Eve is right around the corner and that's a tough, tough holiday. Um, and so I just encourage you, get numbers tonight, use the numbers, all that kind of stuff. Here's a focus question uh, for us this evening is how are you going to work your recovery in the new year? 
and just a thought as we move forward to this upcoming year. Um, how are you going to work it? What are you going to do? And uh, just to focus on that. But let's stand and let's close our time out with a serenity prayer and then we'll head off to group. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace. Taking as Jesus did, the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it. Trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever and the next. Amen. Amen. First time guest right across the hallway. Second time guest right up front. Other than that, love you guys. We'll see you at dessert. Jesus, come soon.